future is now. Future is Now is a podcast series exploring intersections between art and social change. Produced by Zed Galleries, Sharzad Arshadi, and Caroline Künzli. The title comes from a song by German punk rock singer Nina Hagen. She sings, 1968 is over, it's over. Future is now. It's really going to be a better world. Her lyrics express our feeling that change for a better world is happening right now through the work of many. In each episode, Future Is Now will tell you these stories of change, stories of artists and art projects that inspire us. As you listen, we hope these stories will inspire you too. Future Is Now قدلم کردن هنجرم قلقم کردن خوشیلم قدقن کردن اینه حیوان سرتم کردن نه و سکوت خانه نیوم و میون رسم پاره نیوم سر تاپم زخم عمیقه بعضی زخمیل بخیه نیوم دور تا دورم دیوار کشان هر کی رسی جام شکان ما پشت ما رفیق گرمی اویش خنجری تا دست چقان دید زخمیل سینم وا کرد کودک درونم دی پا گرد اشک چو دالگ پیرم کرماش اجو سر پر خراب ولی من شرفم نفروشا مین پیابان پاموسام خدایی میشکو را ساجی زمین گردن میدانم آم هر شو بیدار تا دم صبح منی نامردی بلدم ولی خوب مجروح جنگ نابرابر مبارزم ولی حامی صبح بعضی وقت دیل دیده سرم بچه مرتفع بپرم ولی قبلی حق خوام سنم اگه نسنم و سکم ترم اره زخمیلم بیمم داد آنگیلم فازم و سکن داد یکی آرام و بی یکی رد داد قسیلم همیشه هدف کتاد چون مریضم کردن سر پا بیم سینه خیزم کردم این شیشه بیم تیزم کردن مقصر منم ایزم کردم هر قربین یه مشتار زوم حال یه افسردم که یه آمد تمال از صد خیلی ششتیل نامد چار یه بارگرد عشقم نکیم شما مچه دستم تو ماشا خط خطیه یه سالی از عشقم ولام چیه مردی کرد فره و پاموسا او عشق و گرز باگی و گرونیه چنی ولی خانواده و مدفاع بکی تا که جوانیه رم تبا بکی گیرم باید و دواره بوسی دلام جن خرج نیری توی هوا بخوی و نو خرج خوامش دی منمه یه واند فقط روزنامه سنمه کار نیه چبکم خدا و عرقه رز خواردم خوام قفانمه ایمای مجیر پونس جایی که و نو نقشه نیه نزانم شایست یا راسته شد خدا و The song that you just heard is by Salman Yasin, a Kurdish-Iranian rapper who has been imprisoned since early October 2022 because of his political lyrics and his support for freedom and social justice. Hello, welcome to Future Is Now. I'm your host, Shahrzad Arshadi. In this episode, I'm inviting you to listen to my interview with Babak Salari, a Montreal-based freelance photographer and educator. Babak is an old friend from very long time who I can call my brother in exile, who I also believe is one of the best photographers I have ever known. He is a passionate artist with great ability to tell a story with his camera. Babak is an incredible storyteller. Let's listen to his life story, his fight for social justice, and his deep love for photography and his challenges. 
Tell me about yourself. Tell me about your relation to photography and why did you choose photography as an expression? I guess photography is, is completely related to my personal you know, life. So um, I was born in a small village uh, of the province of Shiraz in Iran. And, but we didn't have access actually to lots of, you know, uh, technology and this and that. And we were completely limited. It, it was uh, my cousin who had this uh, Russian camera from his father. And I was really, really curious. I started to borrow this, the same camera from my cousin and we started to take photo and we were very excited and we were just day and night, you know, we were just thinking about, you know, how to take photo. And finally, I decided at that age, I was probably 15 years old, 15, 16 years old to become a photographer, you know, and it, it, it started just like that. And with camera from... Uh, this friend or that friend, I uh, started to document the things which was uh, around me. For instance, taking photo of, of, of the football team, theater from the school, you know, and making, you know, a wall newspaper and so on. And I became the photographer of the school, you know. The, but there was lots of obstacles. First of all, you know, my father was completely against the idea of becoming a photographer. This was a disaster for him, you know, that in the family, you know, somebody would be master photo, you know. <laughs> he, he hated, he completely hated. Anyway, it, this became a huge problem. I was chosen to participate in this uh, contest, you know, you know, among young artists, you know, and, and others, you know, in the province. I, I went to participate in this, uh, you know, event, but I didn't have a camera, so I have to borrow again a camera from somebody, you know, and I became the third person in, in the province, and I was actually chosen to, to go to this uh, camp, which was in north of Iran, called, you know, Ordui Ramsar, you know, like, it was amazing. So my brother, who was just after me, who was good in math and physics, he was also chosen. So my father decided, yeah, he goes, but you must miss a photo, you cannot go. So it became a huge complex, you know, for me. So that why I couldn't go, you know, a month of camp, you know, visiting, you know, a different part of, you know, our country, you know, and seeing all these gifted kids, you know, and I was, I was very sad, you know, so I, I threatened my father. I threatened my father and I said, look, if you, if you stop me of doing photography, because I started to, to, to work with some national newspaper, take photo, you know, and send the photo to the national newspaper. And many times, you know, my photo were published in all those youth magazine, you know, and daily newspaper and so on. And he was very unhappy. So I said, if you stop me of doing this, I won't go to school. He said, no, you can't. I said, yes, yes, I can. So next year, I quit the school. I quit the school and I went to, uh, I started to work for my, my cousin and his company. And I was able to collect some money. Uh, and 
what I did, I was working during the day and I was going to school during the night. So my father was completely upset and he was, he didn't know what to do. So I collected enough money to buy, you know, long time ago, this Canon, which was very famous at the time. It was Canon AE1. Yeah, it was a beautiful camera at the time. So I bought the camera, I started to do photography, and I had, it was very expensive. This was like, who knows, maybe 46, seven years ago. And uh, I bought this, and with this camera, I started to do amateur photography as much as I could, you know. And so this was the beginning of of my, my journey, you know, in photography. And... Uh, it happens that the revolution, you know, started in Iran in 1979. I think there is a pause between two periods of my life. So mm. when I was, you know, in high school, I was doing photography. But when the revolution started, I completely abandoned, you know, photography. And I became part of, you know, my generation, you know, to uh, to participate in the revolution. So and... For three years, you know, I did little photography, actually. Mm-hmm. And it was only after the fact that I escaped Iran and I started my new period of my life mm-hmm. in exile mm-hmm. that I went to professional school, you know, and college and university. So I I started to, to learn the photography that I supposed to learn long time ago. So... It is after exile, so I became, you know, a professional photographer after my education. Mm. And your father, when he heard about you, you, you're pursuing your, what you loved always, what, what was his reaction? Uh, well, actually, what happened, it was the last, last time I, I visited my father. It was when I was in Afghanistan. Mm. So he managed to come and visit me, you know, in Afghanistan. But I was in Afghanistan. It was just next door, you know. I was, in, I couldn't go, but he came with my mom. And one day, you know, uh, he started to talk about our past, you know, as you know, his children. And he mentioned this, you know. And I, I was, I was surprised, you know, that he, he finally. <laughs> And said that, you know, I did my best to stop you of doing, you know, photography. But I'm just like, I'm just uh, very happy that finally you did what what you have to do. And I can see that you came 7,000 kilometers, you know, away from Afghanistan. And you're doing photography here in Afghanistan today. So uh, he, he he admitted that he was wrong. But it was it was a good moment of connection, actually. I said, Papa, it's a long time ago. <laughs> you know, it's, it's okay. Okay, you become this photographer. Your focus is documentary photography, mostly. I, I think, you know, I, I always thought, you know, the serious part of photography is documentary. Everything in photography, even fashion photography, is documentary. Mm-hmm. So uh, I chose to focus only in documentary photography because this is completely related to what I wanted to do, mm-hmm. you know, in, in my own life, you know, and politics, you know, and society. So therefore, 
even if I have done fashion photography, you know, I, I did fashion photography, but the funny thing is when I said to the editor of this magazine, I'm not a fashion photographer, mm-hmm. he said, well, you know, I, we want you to do this because you do documentary photography mm-hmm. and and we wanted that kind of, you know, texture, you know, in our magazine. We don't want the glossy fashion, you know, so therefore, you know, we, we, we chose you if you accept to do this project for us. Mm-hmm. So basically, I have done everything with the sense of documentary photography. Mm-hmm. Is it how how this um, documentary photography or photography overall is related to your politics? What you believe? What you think about the society? Well, uh, I guess it goes to the fact that you know my generation, you know, and your generation, our generation, we were a generation that we were fighting in a country that we wanted to see the justice. We wanted to see the freedom, you know, uh, equality for men and women. We wanted to see these things are happening. So I think this was base of my daily activity, you know, for many years, you know. And I think from that background, you can see what I have done in my photography. So it is completely related. Maybe it is the way that I could see the world. Maybe it's the way that I can see detailing the things when I when I participate to document and witnessing you know the the war-torn country when I see the children when I see the woman when I see the gays you know and 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 lesbian you know movement and so on so I I think it's completely related it is a reflection or or I could say reaction of me you know in in my my own existence you know um, what was your first project? The first project, you mean the, the okay, the your first I, project that it matters to yeah, you and yeah. the reason why you chose to do that. <clears throat> but the the fact that you know my own exile, my own exile has a meaning in my photography. So I started to do, you know, the first I could say the first project that I did. It's about people in exile. So it's it's related to those who came to exile outside of Iran, you know, in Canada and in Montreal specifically. So this is about my own exile. I guess this is the first, you know, serious project I have done. Next, tell me about other projects. When you went to Afghanistan, mm-hmm. no, I guess the the first project I saw from you was about Mexico. Yeah. The, the first after Montreal is Mexico. This was the uh, project that I chose to do. It's about uh, a small town in Mexico called Huchitan. Huchitan is a very diverse city in Mexico. I was traveling to uh, Oaxaca a few times in Mexico, and I was very attracted by what's happening in Oaxaca. It, it's a very important city you know in the his- history of Mexico and my culture Oaxaca and Chiapas together mm-hmm. so and this is a small town it's a very specific place in Mexico despite the fact that mach- machista you know in Mexico it's not a small thing but in this place 
there is a sense of freedom for the minority in the society and the fact that if somebody is bisexual if somebody is you know uh, homosexual it it is not prohibited it is not something that they need to hide they they openly they talk about it openly they act openly they, they, they function in the society and there is huge respect and I was very moved when I went there and uh, it's the place that Zapotec people, you know, they live there, and there is lots of lots of effect from that culture, you know, in the in the family and so on. So basically, what's happening on that small project that I did in 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 Huchitan is the role of mother in society and woman, uh, and the mother uh, of 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 gay man. They they love. To, to have a gay, gay son at home. And uh, it is completely free, and they, they glorify that, actually. I, I did that project in, in, in uh, Huchitan, and after it was after that project that I did the Cuban project. What, what, what year was this? The project in, in, in Mexico, it was 19... I finished the project on 1994. Cuban project was well, happened in 2000 year 2000 and 2001 and 2002 mm. so I see that project you know because Mexico is you know as a Latino country and Cuba also if in that you know that that path so I, I thought you know this this project is continuity of unfinished projects from Mexico how did you connect to Cuba and, and and how did you choose to work on this uh, project? About the, it's about the gay and lesbian community, or yeah, in in Cuba. In Cuba, I'm just asking because it's it's in in those years. Yeah. In our own community, Iranian community yeah. in Montreal, the talking about gays and lesbians and homosexuality yeah. was a big taboo. Yeah, it's and true. Uh, the the thing is, I was. I was supporting the gay community in, in, you know, in Iranian community, and we were also challenging, you know, the, you know, the culture. And and uh, it happens that I went, I I went to Cuba. I've been in Cuba before, you know, this this trip, you know. And it happens that I went to visit a friend, you know, just for a few days. Uh, but I faced this project. Actually, that I always say that that project chose me. So it, probably it was in my unconscious, you know, and I wanted to do something, you know. And then this happened because I was going to start a project with with uh, gay co- Iranian community in Montreal, but it didn't happen because we had lots of limitation. We ha- we couldn't do it. People they, they they had hard time to start, you know, and so on. And when I went to Havana. And it happened that, you know, there was a group of people who were uh, connected to this friend of mine. So, and I went and I saw, I, I saw what they do in their daily life and how they do, they go out, you know, and so on. So uh, I started, I started to do a little bit of photography, same time that I was there. It was just a few rolls of film, maybe about five to 10 rolls of film. And when I processed the film, the films that I had, I 
immediately thought that I really want to continue this project. And I see because at one point there were a few things. One thing that, you know, I was thinking, you know, I couldn't finish, you know, I have a un, uh, kind of unfinished project, even though that I exhibited and so on. You know, there is a project that it is just right there. And I had also difficulty to 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 uh, start the Iranian project, gay project. I know, but I, I have the freedom of doing this project. But also in Cuba was not was not very easy to be connected. It was not free, you know, to go and connected, you know, with the gay community. Still, you know, the, they were all, they they were also coming from the culture that the you know being gay it was mm-hmm. it was kind of taboo also you know in uh, at least in the in, in the uh, official you know so, politics yeah. you know so uh, I returned to Montreal you know and with all those issues so I couldn't do the Iranian project you know and I was thinking so so for so many years I, I knew about you know Cuban culture Cuban history and revolution I I was thinking to do something and I had some idea, but now I have to do something which is completely in another direction. And I just celebrated. I, I started the project, but at the same time, I was thinking by having the freedom of doing, you know, this project, maybe I could affect, you know, also the gay community, you know, or, or Iranian community mm-hmm. at one point. So I can, I can, I can say, you know, with big, you know, uh, percentage, so that this was maybe the first open, you know, project mm-hmm. about the gays, uh, uh, you know, uh, that maybe an Iranian photographer or artist started. This mm-hmm. this is this is what I think. Maybe, you know, there is somebody else no, have done such a... Yeah, but so I, I was thinking, so it, now that I cannot do this directly, maybe indirectly, you know, I could have some effect on the community and I, the fact that you say that uh, it was only after the project so the Iranian you know community you know journal they started to talk you know some people they started to write about the project so I think it was it, it had a good effect on that mm-hmm. but also the, the the second part of the pro- the first part of the project was on the two you know when I started on 2001 to do the first part was about the gay community underground, just everybody in the society. But there was something that the Cuban in, in Cuban culture we have in Cuban, you know, uh, art scenes, you know, from different medium, the dancer, you know, filmmakers, theater, so on. There are a huge number of gay, you know, artists, but they were fully respected because they were elites. At the same time, there was no. There was no connection between underground, ordinary gay people and those who are elite and nobody could touch them, you know. Mm-hmm. So this was this was two different things. My idea with my partners, you know, in Cuba was this, that, you know, we do the first part. I, I did the first part. And then the second part to bring them also in this and make it, you know, one single show. So to put, you know, every different part of society in it in a room, in an exhibition, so that, you know, there is a, a kind of human solidarity there. So this was the Cuban project that finally we, we did, the, 
the the first actually show in the city of Havana, which was completely uh, not banned, but there was a huge silence on so none of the media. I, I was actually happy because I didn't want to go, you know, in television or radio and speak about a project that, mm-hmm. you know, it was it was not welcomed by official there. Mm. Tell me why why do you like mm. black and white? Because most of your pictures you do color as well, of course. Yeah. But uh, most of the pictures that affect me very much that I love very much they are black and white. Why black and white is? Uh, are you saying my color? No, they are lovely. They are lovely. But I I feel so much connected <laughs> to your. black and white photography and many of your projects are black and white yeah your, your cuban project is black and white your afghanistan is mostly black and white your mexican project is a black and white why black and white is important yeah actually in all those projects i have color too i know i you know. know but the one you exhibit yeah. is black and white the fact is this that i always thought and i still thinking you know even though the color is fresh is modern it's contemporary you know and so on I always thought between the 120 zooms of gray between black and white you could you could express yourself through black and white photography but mm-hmm. but also there is there is one one other aspect of the color photography that is affect every single person in this you know life mm-hmm. that uh for me color if it does not add another dimension in art it's just waste of color So basically, if I use a red shirt, you know, in, in, in my photography, it means that red has a place on it. So the, I did not use red because it's red. I use it because, you know, you know, there is there is there is a reason it's, it's red there. But if it's if it doesn't have that reason, you know, which is the color of red, why should why should I use, you know, color photography? So and also. I guess there is another aspect of 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 black and white and color. So when you look at a color picture, you know sometimes you, you know you or me or somebody else we are seduced by colors. Mm-hmm. So I think at one point maybe is the fact that black and white photography it's good enough to do photography and express your. Uh, feeling your emotion, you know, whatever it is in front of you, and uh, but also uh, it is more, it is deeper, I guess. It's not like that with color you cannot do that, but you are, you have to take, you know, black and white somehow uh, uh, as something that you need to connect before you start to like or dislike. You know, you cannot just pass because some color in front of you. When you when you look at a black and white photo, it is you have to connect. You have to see it more than you know just a glance. Mm. You need to to connect. So I guess you know with that maybe I'm I'm more into black and white. Mm. Mm. So what was next after Cuba? Uh, the uh, next series. project or the big project it was I could say that uh, I should say invasion because you know the other project that I have done mm. 
especially in war-torn countries, you know, including Afghanistan, including Iraq and Palestine, it was after the fact that United States of America uh, invaded Afghanistan mm-hmm. and on 2001 and I was there just a f- couple of months after you know September 11 when they invaded Afghanistan and on 2003 and four I went to to Iraq and you know also Kurdistan and then you know again you know to Palestine so uh the fact that I spent a year with Afghan refugees, you know, in, in, in Pakistan. I, I was guest actually at, at uh, Afghan family and this affected me a lot, you know, that as soon as I escaped Iran, I didn't have passport, I didn't have anything, you know, in Pakistan. I was just just going around, so I was invited by this Afghan two brothers and uh, it was the first serious connection you know between me and Afghan people you know and I guess this this was uh, this was the beginning of knowing Afghanistan because we had uh, you know uh, Afghani in Iran but we never had connection you know serious connection but as soon as I, I went to exile you know, which which was Pakistan. You know, when I escaped Iran, so I had lots of Afghan refugees. So it was the f- the first thing started from the fact that when American they they invaded Afghanistan, I was thinking, you know, to go to Afghanistan, and I wanted to to witness, you know, the 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 uh, the invasion. And to see what's happening to Afghan people, mm-hmm. and I, I had, I could say I had an urge, you know, to to go to Afghanistan because I, I, I could see that connection anyway. Mm-hmm. So I went to Afghanistan and I did uh, this project, which was basically it was a mission for Medicine uh, Domon, Doctor of the World. One part f- that they needed to have a educational tool. Mm-hmm. to show here and there, you know, for their own reason. So I did that. But beside of that, I was also observing mm-hmm. the fact that, you know, American, they went to, 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 uh, to free Afghanistan, you know, and it, it comes from the fact that, so what happened to that freedom? Mm-hmm. What, what happened to, to the fact that, you know, they, they, they uh, promised they do the reconstruction of Afghanistan and, it started from these facts, you know, and I guess it shows, which is a book and a big project, you know, mm. five, six thousand frames of, 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 of photo that, uh, you know, uh, the concept of freedom, it's just only a dream. Mm. And we can see after, you know, the invasion and also return of Taliban, how much that point was serious, you know, and the reconstruction of Afghanistan. But I, I, I think, nevertheless, didn't happen. Mm. So this is project of Afghanistan. Any any specific memory from your Afghanistan project while you were in Afghanistan? Something that stories mm. that you 
well there was there was lots of memories you know and two memories <laughs> one is about a uh, uh, when I was documenting the Afghan refugees camp you know in Pakistan you know at the same time so I was in Pakistan and Afghanistan so both mm -hmm. countries you know you know in the same year I was invited by a group of women you know Rawa Rawa's association so uh, to a to a, a dinner or something and there were lots of young generation of Afghan women there and they were talking about how they were they were treated you know uh, in Iran and they were joking about it I was completely completely uh, uh, shocked I could see you know where it comes from because of the racism you know about Afghan and but they were just making it as a joke you know and and but I was I was very very uh, I was kind of ashamed you know because mm -hmm. they were talking about Iran even though I knew but it was first hand witnessing you know from the fact how Afghan they were treated you know in Iran mm -hmm. and 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 the second thing which was very uh, sad and this affected me a lot it was the fact that I I was documenting a few families you know especially those who were uh, who were in one house running by another woman association and uh, a mother was telling me the story of selling her own daughter you know for uh, you know something less than 200 dollars to somebody and I was I was I was devastated when I when I heard the story of this young mother I said so why did you sell your daughter, you know, just to start with? She said, well, because she just showed me, you know, with her hand, because the rest, they were hungry. And then I asked her that if you have any news from your your daughter, uh, she said no, simply. So I, I, this was probably where I stopped actually doing photography in Afghanistan. And I was just like very, very affected by, by the fact that you know, so now I was documenting this family and at one point I thought, am I able to document every little moment of this story or unlimited? I think my conclusion was this, that, you know, I cannot document or do photography to, to reflect this very traumatic moment of this mother, you know, and very sad and, and, and I was, you know, watching the other kids there, you know, so it was, it was very bad memory of, of that time. So uh, I always talk about that, the fact that how, you know, that moment affected me, you know, it became something important to think that every single medium is limited so this was one thing that i think it was at that point in that area i stopped photography and i moved out of that area after two months and it was just maybe two weeks after so i left afghanistan
Just listen to Kabul, Take My Revenge, a song by Rava, the Revolutionary Association of the Women of Afghanistan, and performed by the students of the Rava schools in 1986. What is your connection with Bulgaria? What happened? How well, did you connect with Bulgarian arts uh, society? Uh, Bulgaria actually happened accidentally. I was not, I was not connected to Bulgaria at all. But it happens that it was at your house, so that I, I was receiving different emails, and there was lots of spams. I repeated this many times uh, that there was a spam. I wanted to open it. You know, I wasn't sure. I asked you so that should I open this. This spam, and he said, "Okay, open it." And it was this invitation from my future colleague Diana Ivanova. She was uh, asking me that if I could, uh, because Janet Forty Five was going to publish a book, uh, a book from uh, Pedro Juan Gutierrez, the Cuban writer that I have his photo, mm-hmm. and they asked me that if I want to sell them this photo, you know. And also there was an invitation if I want to. At the opening of the book, if I wish to do an exhibition of the photos of Cuban project, in short time, you know, I end up. It was just like I think it was November, October, November, on 2007. They started to uh, ask me this, but I end up being in Bulgaria on 2008 in January. So I did an exhibition. I did two exhibition in Sofia and Plovdiv, and and also the. Uh, Uh, my publisher, Manol Pikov, uh, he liked the photo and he wanted to publish, you know, the uh, the Cuban project. So I guess in short time, you know, I end up with love and attention, you know, in in Bulgaria, and it was lots of connection. Bulgaria, it was, you know, first it was. It is a place between East and West. I spend most of my time, you know, in exile in Western country, but at at the same time, it was a place that I could connect with people, and I end up, you know, having lots of friends there in short time. The same year, I they invited me for another project that I go to uh, Bulgaria and do a presentation, and then it was. Because of these trips, you know, I started to know a little bit more and more. And with Diana Ivanova, we thought maybe we could do a project in northwestern Bulgaria, which was very important part of Bulgaria. And we did this project, you know, uh, on we started the project on June 2008. Mm-hmm. After that, I went for second time, so I stayed there after this festival. And during the during one month. I did this project called Traumas and Miracles, which is a book mm-hmm. published in Bulgaria, you know, in uh, English, Bulgarian, and also German later on. So, and that was something important also uh, for actually both of us and Bulgarian later on became uh, a very important project because uh, what happened after the changes in Bulgaria after that the political system collapsed in Bulgaria a group of Bulgarian people who were almost retired and they were you know the first generation of Bulgarian after the the uh, 
the older generation, I should say, mm-hmm. they end up big in, 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 in the villages, rural area, because they couldn't afford to stay in town because of the collapse of economy, you know, and the political system. But there was another sense on, on this that was, they were completely abandoned, mm-hmm. abandoned from, from what they had. You know, the family connection. Bulgarian, they started to, to go outside of Bulgaria and work in, you know, richer country like Germany, Spain, you know, Italy and so on. So their own family, they were abandoned, you know, in villages and especially those who were older, you know, like they were, uh, we had people from 70 years old up to 100. So they have to survive mm-hmm. themselves, you know, with the minimum a fund that they would get from government, which was about 100 euros in the villages. So uh, all those villages at one point, you know, they were very productive, you know, and and so on, but they became completely, you know, abandoned. So uh, I think my own exile, you know, and the memory of the childhood that I was born and raised in a village, so it was helping me, you know, to, to, to connect with all these people. And it was, was lots of love and connection on that part of this project. And uh, I guess it was one of the first after the, the uh, collapse of the system. So that mm. and it became a monument, you know, for many of those afterward to, to think that it was important to talk about this issue not to abandon them more. So we did this project to bring the voice out of Bulgaria. As a matter of fact, it is the sixth place, poorest place, you know, in European Union. Mm -hmm. So as Diana Ivanova talked about this project, it was a very uh, important project for her and it was important project for me to connect with Bulgaria from the fact that both of us we had some love for this part of, you know, the the, 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 the society, and we did it, and it worked. Mm-hmm. Amazing. What is future? What do you? What are, what, are, what is next for you? What are you gonna? What do you the have in mind? Project? Uh, yeah. The project in the mind. There are lots of projects, <laughs> but the the fact is this, you know, I always thought I kept all project that I. I I wanted to do at one point for myself because there is, you know, I was another friend photographer sent me, you know, just a little part of a film. It's about the fact that there are some moments that you never execute it. You just look at it because you want to, you want to really connect with that moment. You want to connect with that tree. You want to connect with that cat. You want to connect with this moment that somebody is passing and you see it and if you do photography you might lose it Mm -hmm. so and things like this it has been a lot you know my most important project is still yet to go (laughs) yet to do you know but uh, I guess I I have something to actually start it's about this new revolution of new generation, young generation of Iranian. It started about four months ago and hopefully it comes out like a project. It doesn't stay in my head. Mm. So I guess I'm thinking to to do this project, uh, which is 
series of photos and writing plus you know a, a, a few short videos so this is what i have in my head nice. let's see how it works yes i'm glad you talk about iran what do you think about what's happening in iran now how do you see it and uh, what is this uh, this this sound coming from iran women life freedom jen jian azadi what is this for you i have to admit something it is it is very unique it is something that for years we couldn't do it you know it has been 40 years after you know that i 41 years that i escaped iran and from the beginning we try a lot you know to to bring this voice out of iran but nevertheless didn't happen for different reasons mm -hmm. now the new generation they have done something which is completely new there is connection and disconnection connection is there is there is a moment of connecting and there is a moment of rupture so what's what's happening is the fact that they were brave to come out and say that especially Iranian women to say that I am owner of my own existence no one is owning my own existence so this was completely new and this was what we were thinking but nevertheless didn't happen but this new generation they started to come in the street and say that we don't want this anymore we do not recognize this and for the first time in our history you know we can see that people openly they speak about the fact that you know Islam has been oppressing people in different you know uh, part of the culture and society and they don't want it they don't want it anymore it is it has been too much and the the, the uh, it has been tragic because because so many of Iranian women and men they have been murdered in last 40 years for the you know Islamic empire that you know they want to make the world you know Islamic again but at the same time when I look at it there is lots of hope and future for those who doesn't want to live under the oppression op oppression of, uh, of of some oppressor that they have absolutely no connection with, with, with new generation, with their needs, with the reality of new generation. Today, unlike 40 years ago, when I look at it, because sometimes, uh, you know, we think Iran as a country, but there is, so there is a little mm -hmm. distance between Iran and the rest of the world. The kids who is raised right now in Tehran, when it comes here, when he comes or she comes here, you could see how much they are evolved and they are advanced, you know, in technology and the way they question, the way they live. Okay, the fact that today it is impossible, you know, with 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 all this uh, social media, with internet, with satellite, with all these things that we are connected to make the world or a part of this world so limited. It is so tragic that to think somebody else 
is owning your life. Somebody else is making decision what to wear, what to say and what not to say. It's, it's a tragedy, you know, in the last 43 years in Iran. The world now is reacting for the first time and they are reacting in a human way to see what it has happened, you know, in the last 43 years, 44, and now it's going to be 45. In the last four months, things has been happening in a way that there is no return. There is no return, absolutely no return. No one wants from from now that somebody gonna control that society. Most of the people, oh, there absolutely there are a certain number of people, you know, they are connected to the power. Mm -hmm. They are benefiting from the power. They don't want to see this change. Mm -hmm. But I guess majority of Iran, 28 million of Iranian, 28 million. This is the number from the Iranian parliament, Islamic parliament. Mm -hmm. 28 million of people, they live under the poverty line. Mm -hmm. So in future, whoever is gaining the power, whoever wants to go there, we have to see what we're going to do for the plate of food on the, on the table. And Iranian regime doesn't care about it. Young generation, they have nothing to lose. Yeah. They don't have the plate of food. It's not only the, the freedom that we need to establish there. It is about how we're going to run this society, how we're going to organize our freedom, how we're going to have the parliament. And it, I think it is happening and it, happening, it is happening in a good way. I'm very hopeful. Fantastic. Last but not least, what is the role of art in this society? Well, art, it could be an open window toward the society. I guess it is only from the practice that we can go through the art, you know, to, to, to see what's happening there. And I think in, in last four months we have seen, you know, beside of the banal things that we see, you know, in social media, but we can see that how much things are evolving from the poetry, from, you know, the, the music, the rap, you know, and so on. I guess it has a big role. You know, like we have rapper that it became a political icon in the country. Mm. Too much is one of them. Yes. And he's just powerful. He comes out, this rapper, young rapper. Mm -hmm. And he, he, he is like an icon of, of, uh, of a political <laughs> party, you know, in Iran. Everybody is watching, you know, what is, what is, what is he singing. And there are millions of people they follow him mm -hmm. he's so prison. he's in prison he's under torture and i heard that he's losing his sight mm -hmm. he cannot read you know proper but the fact that you know a young person is reflecting what's happening you know in society and it became such a such a uh, important act for the iranian regime to put him in jail torture him and so it, it shows that the art has a big role. Otherwise, you know, they wouldn't do such a thing. So I, th I think, you know, uh, by opening all these windows, you know, and, and doors toward the society, there is a big chance that the art can play that role. Thank you, Baba John. It was great. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Thank you for your time and thank you for inviting me. Of course. <laughs> 
اگه دیدی درد مردم و ولی چشاتو بستی ظلم به مظلوم رو دیدی و از کنارش رفتی اگه از ترس یا واسه منفعتت خوده کردی تو هم هم دست ظالم هستی تو هم مجرم هستی اگه خودتو به خواب زدی وقتی که خونا رو میریختن گرفتار کسبتی وقتی جون جوونا رو میگیرن اگه وسط بازی وسط بودی و گفتی سیاست چی هست بدون رأی سفید نداریم بیطرف نداره این جنگ اگه دست رو چشمات گذاشتی دستات خونیان خائنی اگه تریبون داری و حرفات بومیدن دوری از وطن و دوربینای ما کم سو نیستن یادت باشه کسافتای پشت ابر لو میرن اگه سرپوش گذاشتی رو قز تو هم قاتلی واسه پوشوندن جنایت باید رو خون راه بری بدون مال کشیدن تو این سیستم کامل نیست ایران انقدر زندان داره که همتون جا بشین ژورنالیست بازاری مخبر دوزاری هنرمند درباری سوراخ مش بخر مامور مزور از بالا دستور کلاد مجبور سوراخ مش بخر سوپاپت مینان منصوب بی اختیار اصلا طلب حزب با سوراخ مش بخر صادراتی نایی یا کی زیرو رو که شار جای بده هرچی دلار داری سوراخ مش بخر چه هنرمندی که خبر از نون بری نداری شاشیدم به اسکار تگ مردمی نباشی پاره میکنم کلافه تو که دیگه چرن نبافی چه شهاب دولتی باشی چه از خر فرهادی چه بازیکن حکومتی و چفی لیسی چه بازیگر صادراتی و اله هیکسی شما خود فروش پولی نرزه مقام فیکسین حیف زالو جیر خورا شما از خلایق نیستین لاشی کارون باب مدنی که پر نمیشه خوزستان جتون نمیخواد صاحب کل میزه آزادی گرونه باشه آزاده کشته میده یادتون باشه خون فقط با خون شسته میشه تیر بزن از پشت سر بکشتش نهارو به قتل حق خواه نامسلح افتخار کن بیرون مرز به جنایت بزن رنگ و لعب رو بگیر از من مجده فردا و تقاس رو جونالیست بازداری مخبر دوزداری هنرمند درباری سوراخ موش بخر معمور مزور از بالا دستور کلاد مجبور سوراخ موش بخر سوپاپت مینان منصوب بی اختیار اصلا طلب حزب با سوراخ موش بخر You just heard too much solidly song. A brave artist who is imprisoned since October 30-2022. Thank you for listening. The future is now. I'm Shahzad Arshadi. And for Jinjian Azadi, women, life, freedom. Goodbye for now. And please don't forget to be kind. You've been listening to Future Is Now, a podcast series exploring intersections between art and social change. Produced by Zed Gallery's Sharzad Arshadi and Caroline Kunsley. This project was made possible by funding from the Canada Council for the Arts. Future Is Now.